0: And welcome to a very special episode of Edgeguard, taking a closer look at Games on the Fringe. I am your first host, Blake. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Jordan. Hello. And today, we have with us a very special guest, Cameron Kunzelman. If you uh, remember, a couple weeks ago, we played Skateboarder, which was developed by Cameron. Cameron, how are you?
1: I'm doing well. How are you today? Tonight? Today?
2: Uh, pretty good. Um... Uh, excited, I'm excited to have you here. Yeah, yeah. It's a <laughs> you know, it's a little bit of a different change of pace for the podcast. So I think it'll be fun. We have a lot of mm-hmm. like time that we spend like wildly speculating about the intentions behind design decisions in games. So this will be a great chance to be like, you know, commit some authorial fallacy and be like, why'd you do this? Uh, I think it'll be fun. Yeah. I am
1: the grand arbiter of meaning uh, (laughs) behind all of my creative work. And so then therefore I can tell you if you are objectively true or false. (laughs) You are welcome. How
0: exciting. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. I'm honored honored by this. Uh, So, so Cameron for the, for the people at home and I guess for us as well, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, sort of uh, what brings you to games and uh, what work you do within the, the game space?
1: Absolutely. Um, uh Ooh, I don't, I don't actually kind of know where to begin with it. So so I'm here because I made a game. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been making games since 2012, 2013, somewhere around in there. Mm. Uh, mostly smaller projects like Skateboarder. Uh, you can find all those at heylookatmygames.com. Um, but I did that when I started going to graduate school, when I started my master's. Which was in film and video, but I really went to work on video games and kind of the philosophy and theory around video games, philosophy of the media more generally.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And I've continued being a, uh, dipping a heavy toe maybe in game studies uh, through my PhD. And I've kept making games um, and kind of putting those ideas that I have learned in academia into a more serious practice. Sometimes, like really, really quickly and um, uh, f- flightily, or in a dinky way, I, <laughs> I, I've been floating for a long time. Uh, this is the first time I think I've talked about this, mm-hmm. but uh, I've been floating for a long time. Kind of a dinky games manifesto. Okay, uh, dinky. Perp- yeah, dinky. You know, kind of like <laughs> kitschy and cute and, and small. Yeah, yeah. A very uh, technical term. A very technical <laughs> term. In fact, it's uh, a right up though. there with the widget. <laughs> as a a technical term but yeah so i've been making these kind of dinky games dinky interpretations of of uh stuff uh for a long time and of of course i I do kind of games criticism um alongside of that so i've written for paste uh games for a long time i've written for waypoint now for more than a year Mm -hmm. um so so kind of you know kind of the triangle the three points of of thinking about games um
2: and making them occasionally, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome. Try, uh, yeah. Trying to be
1: reflexive mm-hmm. uh, about games.
2: Yeah, you, you used the word interpretation, which I thought was interesting, um, because Skateboarder, uh, the game that we're primarily going to talk about since we've already talked about it in a previous episode, um, mm-hmm. it, it does seem like it's kind of an interpretation of a situation where you want to like evoke something about what it is to be a professional skateboarder or what it might be um, in a in a game... In, 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 a game. Um, yeah. and, uh, so kind of following up on that, um, I'm wondering if you could say a little bit about why you chose typing as the like primary primary mechanic for like creating challenges around, uh, learning skateboarding tricks. Uh, is there anything about like typing that for you like evokes something about skating or anything like that? Uh, no,
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's the short, that's the short answer. No, I don't think there's anything unique to typing, but, but when you're making a game like that, right, especially on a PC interface where I'm assuming that most people have access, most people have access just to a touchpad and a keyboard, right? Mm -hmm. Um, which is a big thing. I didn't really think about that for a long time. Uh, when I was making games, I I made things that needed both keyboard and, and mouse control. Mm -hmm. Um, and I read a piece, I want to say it was by Anna Anthropy at some point. I, I believe it was by Anna Anthropy. Um, that was about kind of natural use um, controls, so not not like natural gesture or anything like that, like we would think about with an iPhone or some sort of interface mm. like that. But but you know, if it's a game that uses the keyboard and uses the keyboard maximally, designing it designing the game around not removing your hand from the keyboard, not breaking that kind of haptic immersion. Um, mm. with that, that is like the most clunky and kludgy term uh, for that mm-hmm. but um, that, that discipline I would probably be much more likely to use the word discipline um, and so a lot of my games kind of make a full commitment to that they're either mouse only keyboard only um, and when you make a game about skateboarding uh, you, you, you know I encourage everyone to try this because it, it forces you into thinking about some real big game design concepts right how do you uh, accurately mimic uh mm-hmm. the or not even accurately but how do you mimic or how do you proceduralize the minute steps of a skateboarding trick right mm-hmm. which look very fluid and very strong and very um uh solid right they appear to be a totality but mm-hmm. they are, in fact, a number of micro movements, a number yeah. of micro, uh, you know, movements of the foot, tilting of the foot, the amount of force you use when you kick, you know, to do say a kickflip or something like that. Um, all of that is, is minute, and so you know, I, I played around with. Uh, clicking some different buttons. Uh, So like having buttons on the screen and then very quickly moving between them to click them. Mm
2: -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: Uh, This is kind of a a side story about that, but I was working (laughs) on a cyberpunk game. It'll all come around, I promise. Okay, I Uh, believe you. (laughs) uh, Yeah, I was working on a cyberpunk game for, for a little while, and I guess I'm still working on it, where the idea was you're moving through kind of an apartment complex and... Uh, a a fairly small area um, and the idea is that you're being pursued by security robots and that those security robots would appear in kind of patterns around you, procedurally generated patterns, Hmm. and then you would move your mouse very quickly between them to kind of like defeat them or hack them or something. Um, And that mechanic, there's a reason that game didn't come out or hasn't come out yet is that (laughs) mechanic doesn't really work. Um, It requires some pretty finite movement. Um, So I had to find something that was... um, sensible or or worked at least for this game and i came to typing typing words
2: Mm -hmm. sure so that's
1: a long story to explain uh how i got there i needed something that that worked without moving your hands away from the keyboard in a significant
2: way mm -hmm.
0: yeah and it's it's, it's it's something that we talked about uh in in our episode about the game like uh one of the things i speculate is that like oh well using your keyboard. It's just something everyone has a keyboard. Anyone can play this game. If you're at a computer, you have a keyboard that you can use to play this game. And Mm -hmm. I think the, the trickiness of like moving your fingers between the arrow keys and the, the letters to type, uh, like sort of, like you said, sort of mimics the, the juggling or the sort of thought process behind getting those tiny movements going on in your feet to, to make a, a, a skateboarding trick trick happen, which is, which is cool.
2: Yeah. It's interesting. Like one of the results of, um, like having typing used in a different context in this way is you sort of, you sort of become, uh, maybe not necessarily conscious, but like aware in a different way of like the act, the physical act of typing. Um, uh, so like when I played the game, what I would do is I would try to figure out the word first um, and then I would just like, once I knew the word, so malnourished or whatever, then I would pretty much just be looking at my keyboard and I would skate to the side, jump, and then just like put on my typing hat and type out malnourished. Um, yeah. So that was interesting.
1: Yeah. yeah. Malnourished is hard.
0: Bankruptcy <laughs> is harder though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If, yeah, if they are, they are hard words. If we're being totally frank, I, I never made it past malnourished. I'm, I'm notoriously uh, a bad typer. Uh, Uh Despite being a professional programmer, where I type all day at work, I'm horrible at (laughs) typing. So, uh, so I definitely uh, had to had to do some uh, some YouTubing to to make sure I experienced everything about the game. Um, (laughs) But you you've sort of mentioned how this is like using the keyboard makes this like sort of an uh, uh, unconventional take on skateboarding. So, do you see this game? Uh, as being in conversation with like a more traditional skating game, like Tony Hawk's pro skater or skate, I, uh,
2: do you like Tony Hawk pro skater?
1: I do. I do. I I (laughs) like all of those games. I really enjoy them. Um, I enjoy the Tony Hawk kind of more arcadey feel. And I enjoy the yeah, skate yeah. kind of like simulationist. Uh, I don't know what the the right word for that would be. I like both of those. I I really mourn the lack of a indie skateboarding game world. And there's one mm-hmm. coming out. Like I know I forget what the guy's name is who's working on that. Um, but he's uh, uh, like a Central European developer, and he's basically making the the you know combination Tony Hawk. Um, and skate game. And I think that's, that's awesome. Mm, I, huh. I want more of those to, to exist, but I, I really like games like Ali Ali as well. Oh, I don't know if you've played Ali Ali. Ali Ali is delightful.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, huh. it, yeah. It's, it's yeah, basically yeah, it's, like 2d Tony Hawk. It's like level based and all about building these combos and, uh, getting a, a ton of points. It's, it's really fun. It just feels, it's one of those games that just has nails the feel so well and has like a great soundtrack. It's a uh, well worth your time.
1: Huh. Yes. Yeah. It's all. It's for PC and well, maybe it's not for PC. Oh, it definitely is. Yeah, that's where I've played. Okay, it. so it's for P- PC and then uh, PS4 and I think Xbox One as well. So you can get it on anything. It's like a ten dollar game. Oh, Very cool. good. Um, but the interesting part about that game for me is that uh, you fail a level when your combo ends. Mm. So you either make it to the end of the level, or or until you crash. But basically, it's until your combo ends. Hmm. I guess mm-hmm. it's very hard to like land a trick and then just start a new one again. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly, you won't get into like the the three star rankings that way or anything like that. Um, so I really like that game, and I think it's really interesting. I, I kind of mourn the fact that we don't have a indie games culture that's churning out skateboarding games all the time. And uh, I was just kind of thinking about making something. Um, that's how I, I make mm-hmm. a lot of things. I'm like, oh, well, I have some ideas that I've written down. Uh, I should like commit to one of those and spend mm-hmm. a few days working on it. Yeah, and uh, so, so, yeah, I, I did that with this game. I, I just watched a lot of... Epically Latered. I think I wrote about this
0: somewhere. Yeah, it's it's mentioned on this. the Itch.io page for the game. Gotcha.
1: Yeah. So I was watching a lot of Epically Latered just relaunched on Vice, or had just relaunched on uh, on Vice when I made the game, and it's just about professional skateboarders who've had a rough go of it. And I'd, I'd mm-hmm. seen mm-hmm. all the episodes of that show throughout the years as they went by. Um, so yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that's something that I found interesting um, was that you that you were like inspired by stories about actual uh, professional skateboarders, specifically ones that have had uh, like less than fortunate um, experiences in that world. Um, Do you have any like sort of background in, are you a skateboarder or is that just like Uh, a hobby horse? Yeah, not now. Uh, Yeah,
1: certainly was, was, uh, I, you know, not... Good, I wouldn't say, uh, especially for for kind of where oh, I'm sell yourself opportunities. Short. Yeah, well, I, you know, I appreciate it. I appreciate the charity, um, but uh, but yeah, I was very invested in skateboarding, and skateboarding videos, and kind of keeping up with the culture for a very very long time. And I still do. I'll dip in, uh, I'll dip in and like really, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, immerse myself every now and again to kind of keep up with what's happening and who's left the sport. Um, but mostly because I think that the youth culture of it is so interesting and horrifying right like Mm -hmm. if you pay attention to skateboarding culture you either come you either come through as a libertarian right (laughs) and you believe that like well they pulled themselves up by their their bootstraps right Mm -hmm. and doing sweet kickflips and so then therefore (laughs) they got a Nike sponsorship Um, Mm -hmm. or you come away very cynical I believe in believing that skateboarding for the most part is a is a grist mill where youth are thrown in and they are completely churned out mm-hmm. by drugs and alcohol and a grueling worldwide, or not worldwide, but touring, whether that is national, worldwide, yep. regional, yep. whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is very little support for those people. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you wash out and you disappear. Uh, and I find it just as a system to be nightmarish and it, and it lives purely on its, its belief that like, if you're good enough, then you'll succeed. Like it, mm-hmm. it's this American dream really. Um, and I find that fascinating, just absolutely fascinating.
0: Yeah. And, and we sort of talked about that. Uh, if you're, if you're good enough, you will succeed sort of mentality. And we were, we were talking a lot about, uh, like professional athletes, uh, of any kind, like, you know, professional football players. I think Jordan and I don't have, a ton of specific knowledge about skateboarding. I don't think either, of, either mm-hmm. of us have really followed it as closely. So we were kind of talking more about, you know, like football or basketball players, how they get drafted in the NFL mm-hmm. and they like think they've made it. And then they get injured in their first six months and then they're out yeah. forever. Uh, so, yeah. so what do you think are some of like the, the differences, like the things that are specific to professional skateboarding rather than like more general, uh, mm-hmm. more generally being like a professional athlete. Um,
1: to, to continue with the the football uh, analogy, mm-hmm. skateboarding is as if everyone was everyone was a star quarterback.
2: Mm. Mm, everyone right, on right. the team
1: is the star quarterback, um, and people are looking for you to fail or succeed in the way that they would, you know, any given quarterback that is drafted out of college into the NFL. And so, I think the pressure is immense. Mm-hmm. It's also a really slow activity, like. Professional skateboarding companies put out videos, not irregularly, but with large gaps of time in between them, and they take a long time to come out, and there's a lot of time to kind of lose the plot and fall out of skateboarding or whatever while you're waiting for your video part to come out. Mm. Mm. Um, There's a lot of money in it, potentially, uh, but there's a lot of opportunity to be uh, abandoned by the activity.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: So so it's kind of like, is (laughs) there... So, like, there there are X number of injuries that can happen to the star quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. You could you can get a concussion. That's that's probably going to be the worst one, right? Yep. Uh, the likelihood of breaking your arm or your leg or something is fairly low. They're very protective of their body, right? Mm-hmm. But imagine if you are the star quarterback and everyone is the star quarterback and they are all competing yeah. and you could break any and all of your limbs every time <laughs> you go onto the field, right?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, um, it really relies on a yeah. star
2: power in a way that, like... Um, or at least being a professional skateboarder specifically. Like yeah, it yeah. really like you need a certain kind of like stardom in order to have made it in a way that in a lot of professional sports tends to only be true of like a handful of the like star players. Um, it actually reminds me a lot of since I did my undergraduate in Utah and like is still in Utah, uh, it sort of reminds me of, um, like pro skiing, uh, Mm-hmm. The culture in a way like there's sort of this like underground of people who are like obsessed with the sport and who um will like basically drop all other obligations in order to obsessively pursue it and then only a very very small number of them are able to support themselves financially doing it but
0: lots of people try mm, yeah many a ski bum yeah. out there Yes, <laughs> that's true. Yeah,
2: and Just I don't know if there's know. something or something parallel in skateboarding, but there's a lot of people it, this like the the like fact of being a ski bum in some way, like not having any money and like being poor somehow, somehow becomes like a badge of pride in the in the culture in a weird way, too.
1: Yeah, I mean, you go into any given skate shop, and you ask someone about, like, the owner of the store, nine times out of ten, they will tell you, like, oh, they were sponsored by X company. Yes, back yes. Back in the day. That's and very familiar. Of, like, yeah, like, fell out of the activity. Uh, for mm-hmm. whatever reason, like like I was saying, it, it is an activity that sells you a narrative of, like, mm-hmm. personal gain and growth while working very hard to just knock you out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's, I mean, it's grueling. I, I can't imagine, cannot imagine actually very seriously pursuing skateboarding. You have to be just so driven. It, I mean, it's a it's a very particular mm-hmm. kind of mindset, much like, you know, hammering the same four words into a keyboard for half an hour. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, yeah. So, so you had mentioned uh, sort of how star power plays into it, how everyone has to be like the star quarterback. Um, do you think that uh, sort of the, the ethos behind professional skateboarding was always like you have to be a big star or do you think like the really big, like obviously Tony Hawk is like the biggest superstar and then people like Bam Margera or like Rob Deerdeck. do you think those people sort of created that culture of like everyone has to be like the, the big superstar or do you think that it has sort of always been like that? I'm not sure if you've been following it for, you know, before those guys were around. Yeah,
1: um, no, it hasn't always been that way, mostly because there wasn't money in it to begin with, right? Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, the 1980s for sure. Like once you had the idea of creating, um, like a star lineup of good skaters and there were, uh, fan outlets for it. Mm -hmm. So magazines, there were videos you could buy, things like that. Then Mm -hmm. then that kind (laughs) of naturally happens, right? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just it's kind of a bummer, and that's—I don't want to suggest that there's not like a strong mid-tier or a strong like professional tier that don't have star power because there there are a lot of those people. Um, I want to more make a connection between the expectations and the way that one has to represent oneself as like a unique, powerful, singular individual who can conquer the thing in front of them. Like, that is, that's what unites that kind of singular ability yeah. of a quarterback and a singular uh, uh, expectation mm-hmm. or ability of a skateboarder, I think. It's mm-hmm. what is expected of you and the amount of personal risk that you have to put forward to succeed. Mm-hmm. And lots and lots and lots of stories of skateboarders dying or becoming permanently injured or losing capabilities that they had before, you know, shattered knees or, like, the loss of like, full tendons in their leg or, like, a loss of of limbs. I mean, it's, uh... To chase the really good video part means to really seriously, uh... risk life and limb. Mm. Um... And, I I mean, it's just... I'm not in judgment of that. Like, I don't have any judgment about that. That's, like, a way that one lives one's life. But it it is a profound thing in our culture today. There's really nothing else like it, I don't think.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Um... Uh so to take it back to the game a little bit um one one of the things that we had a couple questions that are just like very basic uh clarifications of confusions we had so sure. one of the things the game does is you have a after each trick that you successfully master uh a little like dr- uh drawing will appear of like the, one of them's the a bottle of booze, one of them's uh, Mm -hmm. a skateboard, one of them's a CD. Um, What is the one that's like a, it's like a rectangle that looks like a grid of squares. What is that?
1: It is, uh, it's very poorly rendered (laughs) uh, is what it is. It's a a pack of cigarettes from the top.
2: Oh. Yeah. yeah.
1: Mm. It's just not, uh, (laughs) it's maybe the least clear image.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That, you know what? That makes way more sense than any of the theories we had. What did we think it was What we said maybe it was a keyboard, but the, the squares are too well aligned to be a keyboard. I no, think, I think was, we
0: just weren't sure, but cigarettes definitely, uh, makes yeah, sense.
2: Makes much more thematic sense. Definitely.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. Mystery <laughs> solved. We know. There you go. <laughs> um, so sort of uh, going along with, uh, talking about these sort of between trick moments, um, what sort of inspired like the 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 flow of those? Because uh, you start with like the liquor bottle, and then you see the skateboard, and it gets kind of like eaten away, like chipped away, and then you yeah. get the the CD, and it gets all, or maybe it's a DVD, uh, that gets all scratched and marked up, and then the carton of cigarettes. Uh, so it was, <laughs> it, was there like a specific order that these were placed in, or was it just kind of like? a few objects that you sort of wanted to thematically tie into the game.
1: Yeah, no, there's no specific, uh, order to them. Partially mm-hmm. because, like right, there's no... One assumes, uh, or I assume, I, this is not a one scenario, there's no theoretical <laughs> yeah. designer of this You, you game. speak for uh,
2: everyone. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Uh, I assume that people would get through the first one, but there's no way of knowing if you get through the rest of them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so they're just kind of arbitrarily, like I drew all the images and had them ready to go and I just kind of imported them mm-hmm. as uh, as I thought. So not a lot of strong directorial uh, yeah. uh, thought behind that.
2: I do feel like having the like bottle of liquor being the first one, though, does have... There's sort of a moment playing the game where you you're not entirely sure, like what this game is going to be about. It seems like it's just going to be simply a a game where one performs some tricks and like having the bottle of liquor as the first one really has like a a moment of being like, oh, there is a little more to this game than maybe I thought there was.
0: Uh, It's that kind of game.
1: Yeah, I mean, that is that that is the one that I had the first idea for. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I certainly, like, I was like, oh, I'm sure if I could, I don't know where I wrote it down, but in some journal, when I kind of designed out the the game, uh, that's absolutely the first object I drew. Um, and that might be why it's first, because <laughs> it's maybe the strongest image. I think the skateboard is a strong image, too. But, um, but yeah, yeah, absolutely.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Cool, so... I had a, a question. So is the, is this the disc? Is it a CD or a DVD? My sort of speculation was that it was like, uh, your, your skate edit on a DVD that you, you made with your friends or, or something to those, to that effect. <laughs> Am I totally wrong?
1: It's whatever you want it to be. I,
0: I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> no, have a strong, it's an
2: edit then it's, it's yeah a DVD. <laughs> yeah sure
1: sure yeah. It, it can oh. be a dvd if you want it to be um i don't know if you hang around enough skate parks uh long enough or if you hung out a lot around a lot of skate parks in the early 2000s i guess mm-hmm. uh you would see a lot of that that's like a, the, mm-hmm. the was a common image for me at least of like a cd thrown out a window someone got pissed off mm-hmm. uh that oh, kind really? of thing huh. I, that's just a strong image in my mind that i associate with skateboarding oh, I, 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 I don't know why but yeah
2: hmm. huh. Um, so, uh, you mentioned, uh, back at the beginning of this interview that, um, or at least I think you did, maybe I'm inventing this, that you are okay. also a PhD student in addition yeah. to a game designer. Um, can you say a little bit about what it's like to like work on games in an academic setting, um, both as a designer and as someone from a critical perspective, do you find yourself having to like explain what you do to like glass eyed confused people regularly or does have games like reached a moment where it's a little more intelligible what you do uh to other academics
1: yeah there have been a few times when that has happened but i've I've been lucky enough uh, lucky enough and tactical enough maybe a little bit of both (laughs) um to to not pick situations like uh, I'm not going to the conferences where I might hit glassy eyed stairs, and I've certainly <laughs> made that mistake before. Uh, I mean, I had to learn learn through experience for that. Um, but you know, mostly you find other people who are doing that kind of work, um, mm-hmm. and and you try to go show what you're doing to them while they do the same to you. Um, and there are quite a few people with PhDs who are making games um, yeah. and doing that kind of thought. Um, there's there's a very um, beneficial back and forth i would say and a lot of the really important game studies work not all of it but but a lot of it has been done by designer practitioners uh people like yeah, to get their hands true. dirty and think at the same time and mm-hmm. i think that is good yeah i also think that like pure academic work is good too sorry
2: uh people who a lot of people who, who whose games we've played also pippin bar i know as a professor uh, yeah. we played it is as if you're doing work which is a fun game um, and, uh, Robert Yang too. He played one of his mm-hmm. games. So yeah, there's definitely yeah, a vibrant like at, academic designer culture.
1: Yeah. Uh, John Vanderhoof, uh, just released a brand new game you, on itch. You should check that out in the future. Oh, that's, people who are listening to this should check that out. That's, that's awesome.
0: That was actually one of our, of our questions was, uh, that was uh, a recommendation for a, a game for the podcast because, um, we, uh, I know we, Jordan and I both, uh, enjoy a lot of reading from Waypoint. And in fact, I'm pretty sure that's how I heard about this game is because I had seen your writing there and sort of looked you up on Twitter. And that day happened to be the one of the days that you tweeted about Skateboarder. So, um, you you do or you have written uh, a lot of different stuff for them but one of the sort of recurring things i've seen you do do is like uh this segment that they have called free play where it's sort of about Mm -hmm. smaller games that are free uh and honestly it's a lot of there's a lot of overlap with the games we talk about here because they're kind of like smaller more experimental games that have uh a lot of you know sort of different ideas so Mm -hmm. what do you find probably
2: no platform
0: yeah little no or little platform so Mm -hmm. what do you find like most enjoyable about like finding these sort of uh you know strange little games and engaging with them
1: uh ooh, most enjoyable I, I mean I like the idea that we have a very vibrant culture of creation and I find it very sad that most people who play games and I'm talking about the millions of people who have Steam accounts mm-hmm. they'll never see it and they will never even think about yeah, that being a part sure. of games culture right and that's not to say that they are wrong or that's not to say that they are somehow like not doing the work or not in the know enough <laughs> but there are mechanisms within games culture and within the <laughs> economics of games and Within the politics of the platforms involved that discourage them from exploring outside of their comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, I think everyone who writes for the free play stuff on Waypoint has like a different kind of angle that they're going for. Mm -hmm. But I am most often looking for uh, experiences that, that, Uh, I play and I'm like, oh, this is new and different or, oh, Mm -hmm. this is something I have not played before. And for each one of those I do, I probably play five or ten games. Um, I, like, go through quite a lot of things before I find a thing that I enjoy. Um, A lot of the games that are being made right now in Bitsy, like the kind of, I don't even know what it is, kind of game creation software that's Mm -hmm. browser-based, I find a lot of those really, really interesting. It's a a cool way to mm, put words and images on the screen in a very manageable <laughs> way, um, which which I, I really like. Uh, the other thing that I write for Waypoint or one of the other things I write for Waypoint is a recurring column or a feature, not mm-hmm. column, called Sub15, mm-hmm. where I kind of scour Itch and um, Steam looking for games that are less than $15 independently produced uh, that... I think look cool or are fun to play or are interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a lot of, that's a very vibrant space. We have a lot of discussion today about like that. There's too many games and there's an indie apocalypse and there's, you know, they're all flooding the marketplace and there are YouTubers who have made, and I say YouTubers very explicitly and specifically, but who have made their career on, talking about the quote-unquote garbage that is proliferating out there and supposedly pushing out the good games. And I'm using uh, air quotes. Sure, But in fact, there are lots and lots of very good games that are being produced. And it just takes 10 or 15 minutes on Steam to find them. And wouldn't it be great if we spent all the energy complaining about games Mm -hmm. on promoting games we liked? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, uh, you're definitely right that there's like a genre
2: of YouTuber that it's like... Will scour itch.io for something that they are expecting not to enjoy and then like make a video that is like their extreme reactions at like how unbelievable or unbelievably bad this game is. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. lo and behold, it was bad. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? What a shocker. <laughs> like a, what a turd.
1: Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I, I find that like zero percent compelling. and I find it very sad, and so yeah, with, with free play and sub fifteen, I'm I'm trying to do whatever the opposite of that is. That's sure. what I'm in, intending to do.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm glad you sort of mentioned that because I think that's that's largely how we feel about this podcast as well as there's, it's very easy for a lot of these tiny games that we're finding. I mean, a lot of them have some pretty rough edges and maybe have some interesting ideas, but sort of fail to execute. But we sort of set a limitation early on that we, we don't want to be, uh, dunking on them. We want to be thinking and speaking critically about the games, but still make sure we're talking about the things we find interesting or, you know, just yeah. well done about each of these games because I mean, there are so many people out there that have just, just don't even consider that games like this exist. Games like skateboarder exist. Like my mom didn't know about, wouldn't know about a game like skateboarder, but (laughs) now I make a podcast and she listens to it because she's my mom and she's supportive. And I don't know, there's, it's like, that's why, at least for me, why we do this podcast is because, um, I think it's important to not only like, let people know that like, Hey, there are all these crazy games out here that exist, but also that there's, good things to find in almost all of them almost you know there's so many games out there have like at least one like interesting idea or even tons of interesting ideas so i think uh you know talking about them is is uh super duper important yeah
1: yeah i find it very um I don't know. Just kind of like overwhelming that that people will spend thirty five hours playing a game only to be like, "This was garbage," but they won't spend two minutes <laughs> playing a game that has like one really solid good idea in it. Um, yeah. When there are so many of them,
2: but yeah, oh well. that's like I, that's <laughs> there are so many games that people like. It's astounding how much they play it and then ostensibly hate that game. Although maybe yeah. I mean to be honest, like the ratio of number of hours I've put into PUBG, player nuns, battlegrounds to like how often I've complained about things in that game. I'll admit, I'm probably also guilty of that from time to time. It's the devil's game. <laughs> and yet, oh man. I, I will never it, share, so. share the hours that I put in that game with anyone that I'll take that with me to my grave.
0: Uh, well, I'm friends <laughs> with you on steam, so I could just go look at that right now. No,
2: oh, that's right. That's public, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Oof. Yep. Yeah. Oof. Uh, I think I've put two hundred and something.
0: Sure. I mean, speaking of battlegrounds, <laughs> I mean, I've, clearly you've you've enjoyed it uh, a great deal. Um, if anyone follows you on Twitter, like I do, uh, they'll see that you you post a good amount. You have uh, now that they've had this replayed mode, you've uh, been putting out these uh, you call them PUBG documents um, of sort of experiences you've had in the game, uh, and you even wrote about them on Waypoint. It seems like you've had a lot of joy, like going through the uh, the replay system. Uh what specifically about Battlegrounds and about the replays in Battlegrounds has sort of dr- compelled you to 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 do this to make these little little videos? Uh, I'll
1: answer. I'm going to answer this in a really roundabout way. So, <laughs> I make games that have a very finite possibility space, mm-hmm. <laughs> like very much on purpose. Like there, in all the games that I have made. From commercial stuff that's on Steam to like the goofiest little thing that's on my website, all of that stuff has like uh, I try to cut them down to like the minimum, truly the minimum viable product, right? Like, what is the mechanic? What is mm-hmm, the way that I can mm-hmm. communicate that most easily? All that stuff. Um, opposite of that, the games I enjoy that I really like playing are games that have like that are almost maximalist in their possibility space, um, and PUBG has it's very big. The things that it allows yeah. to happen. Um, and I find that fascinating in a way that I don't find fascinating with say Starcraft two replays or heroes of the storm replays or, or, any of those. I like those things. I've, I've watched a number of replays in, in all of the games I've played that have that capability, but the, the, the fact that there's such a wide possibility space with PUBG and the fact that you can move it around, you can take any perspective that you want. To like I, I made a PUBG document the other day that kinda had me driving a truck into into like a building and then I got out of the truck and ran away and then the the vehicle just kind of rolled by itself down into like this weird spiral uh, in the middle of a field and it's just kind of autonomously moving on its own. And that's weird. That's like a weird thing Mm. (laughs) that doesn't happen in other games. (laughs) Um, And so I find it very compelling for for that reason in particular.
2: Yeah, uh, the replay system in PUBG is such a... I'm so glad they added it because it is so weird and so fun to use. And like, it, it creates a whole... Like, it has overnight turned PUBG into... Like a great platform for making like machinima, like I, yeah, absolutely. Just suddenly, um, which I was not expecting PUBG to be good for that, but here we are. Yeah, it's awesome.
1: I'm 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 all about that game. It's hard to like be the person uh, promoting a game you know that sold ten million copies or whatever, <laughs> uh, but to be like, wow, that game is good. But truly,
2: what? the game That's is good. Unexp- unexpected uh, position.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. trust me, I, you're preaching to the choir here. I mean, I can't speak for Jordan. He seems like he doesn't want to get air out his, uh, his hour count, but I've put something <sighs> like 400 hours into that game. And, uh, uh-huh. the two of us, along with uh, several of our friends, uh, spent countless hours over the summer, uh, just yeah. chasing those chicken dinners and and <laughs> having all kinds of shenanigans. And the, the thing that I think is crazy about PUBG is like, you talked about the huge possibility space is you can have these like funny, ridiculous moments, like, uh you go out and your truck is like rolling backward or uh we had a game with our friends where we decided we were just going to try and like uh everyone gets their own vehicle and we don't get any guns and we just try and win get Mm -hmm. as far in the game with just running people over or just driving away uh and then you can have these like incredibly tense final battles where it's you and one other person and you're thinking super tactically and you're acting on your feet and you're trying to execute like these careful sniper shots. And it, it's crazy to have like ridiculous, hilarious moments and then like incredibly tense, like serious moments in a game that like really doesn't give you too much to, to work with other than like a giant world and a bunch of guns. It's it's not telling you why you're, why you're in this world other than to kill everyone else. And yet there's so many amazing things that you can you can do with it
1: yeah there's a really great interview with uh player unknown himself uh, from Mm, i want to say his given name brendan yeah that's a yeah (laughs) brendan green brendan green obviously uh from the unknown family sure uh (laughs) papa unknown mama unknown player and then player unknown
0: Uh, um and younger uh,
2: brother player two unknown
0: yeah they Uh, they changed their surname to uh green uh, at ellis island when they were coming into america so (laughs)
1: yeah yeah that's the uh anglicization you know (laughs) unknown is green is green Uh. but um but yeah he did this interview where he was talking about the the interviewer asked him about the map and they were like what's up with this map you know that's like sunken city and there's like a crashed airplane and you know there's cities and military base and he's like yeah, when we made the map, we just thought, "What would be the coolest paintball arena that we could make?" Huh? And then this is what we made. Oh, that's pretty great. And it has that kind of feel to it, right? Of like this artificial environment that that is maximally designed to generate the most interesting scenarios. Yeah, um, I think it's really su- successful at that. I, I really enjoy the game.
2: Yeah, that's actually one thing I really like about PUBG. It's a lot of like, um, uh, like battle royale style games, especially ones that are sensibly survival based in some way. They had this like obsession with quote unquote like realism. Mm-hmm. Um, and like PUBG is like much more willing to wear it's the fact that it was designed on its sleeve. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The kind of new up and comer slash one people are dipping their toes in is uh, Escape from Tarkov. And it is yeah. 100% a game that is
0: gritty and realistic and blah 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 yeah
1: not as interesting i don't think
0: yeah i mean i think we'll see i haven't played it yet sure i I think that's largely why PUBG blew up like it did this year is because it distilled so many of the ideas from those games It, it sort of took the thing that was interesting which is like the actual uh you know Fighting other players and sort of tactics and stripped away a lot of the uh, you know crafting systems or like the super in depth like bleeding out or injury systems just kind of said like yeah. all right we're we're streamlining it just enough so that it's still kind of like arma there's like a lot of controls that are only you'll only find in like uh, military simulator games like arma but uh, the the core of it is uh, a streamlined. Uh, version of, of the mm-hmm. battle Royale f- formula that I think has made it, uh, made it really work.
1: Yeah. And it took three games for Brendan green to get here. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. this is his third battle Royale game he has made.
0: Sure. Yeah. Um, so I think we've covered most of, uh, what we, what we wanted to talk to you about, um, maybe as sort of a, a final, uh, message. Do you, do you have a favorite game or a handful of favorite games that came out in 2017, um, I know we've just spent a lot of time talking about PUBG. Maybe that makes the cut. I'm not. I'm not really sure.
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed PUBG. I mean, continue to enjoy PUBG. The Final Fantasy IX Remaster, I thought was excellent. Mm. I, I wrote about for Paste how that was the best game of 2017. Oh, nice. Um. Uh. God, what is the name of the the other thing that I'm thinking of? Hold on, let me Google it. <laughs> I don't know why I, I have escaped from uh tarkov stuck in my head mm-hmm. signal from tolva god i just couldn't oh, get it sure uh you should check out the signal from tolva if you have not done that uh, already i haven't it's made by the big robot i want to say is the name of the company they made sir you're being hunted oh uh, sure. jim rossignal is uh one of the writers i believe
0: yeah i've, I've heard anyway. things of signal from tolva i'll be interested to check it out
1: you should play oh. it very good very good game. All right,
2: good.
0: Good to know. Well, I'll check uh, it out. With with that, uh, thank you, Cameron, so much for for joining us today. We really appreciate mm-hmm. it. You are you're the first guest on EdgeGuard, uh, and we're we're really uh, we're really happy that you were willing to you sit down and have a chat with us about your game.
2: Yeah, yeah absolutely. In, Thanks.
0: Anytime
1: that I make another game, <laughs> and you want to talk about it? Let <laughs> yeah. me know.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll keep you on the horn. Uh, but until yeah, then. Absolutely. Uh, listeners, make sure you follow us on Twitter at EdgeGuardCast, and we will be back with you next week with a regularly scheduled episode. Uh, and until then, goodbye.